What if everything you thought and believed about successful buying, selling, and financing your home was wrong? Welcome to HomeWise with Michael Midget. This is where you can count on straightforward, objective advice on the right way to make the most out of every dollar you put into your home. Whether it's buying, selling, or financing, even maintaining and growing its value along the way. Coming to you from the News Talk STL studios at Union Station in St. Louis. Welcome to HomeWise. I'm Stal Pontikas with the creator and host of HomeWise, Michael Midget. If this is your first time joining us for the show, welcome aboard. We're glad that you're here. And Michael, great to see you, my friend. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, Stel. How are you? Doing all right, thanks. You have a good week? Uh, yes. Yeah, so far. Happy 4th? <laughs> yes, it was It was fine. It was relaxing, which was uh, a positive right there. Oh, how about good. How about you? Yeah, well, you know, I don't know about relaxing, but uh, you've got two kids and... Yeah, you're busy. Multiple, uh, you know, places to go and be, and, you know, they're off school, so it's, you know, it's just like one big, long vacation for them. That's <laughs> so true. When you try and stack vacations on top of vacations or time off, it gets to be, you know, it gets to be hectic, but, yep. um, you know, you can kind of see it coming ahead of time, so it's not so bad. Shouldn't be n- not complaining, absolutely not complaining, so... Uh, Coming off a big, uh, a big idea, big show last week. This new idea we've kind of opened up, uh, you know, financial independence. Uh, going along with last week's uh, theme of uh, Independence Day, and we're going to continue that this week. So, kind of a big elephant in the room. I've kind of been purposely dancing around without actually coming out and saying it. So we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna go straight into. Uh, the belly of the beast this week. Uh, it happens to be my favorite margin creator. But before we get to that, um, you know, I somebody this past week he listens to the show kind of asked me, like, "Hey, man, you shifted gears on us. You know, what do you what's what's going on? You change your focus. You change your mind. You know, like what's going on?" And uh, you know, I it's it's not that we. I mean, we did we did shift focus a bit, right? But we are still on track for the big idea, which is the big idea of the show, right? So the family home, the epicenter of your personal finances, uh, it touches more of the other parts of your personal financial picture than any other asset, any other part part of it, right? So it's the home, it's the nest, it's the it's home base, it's the central unifying piece of everything. It's so much of your life is tied to it, the house you live in, how much you paid for it, where it is, you know, where you live, who your neighbors are, what school district you're in. Um, it's likely your largest uh, monthly payment that you have to make. Um, it's also your largest, most costly investment. You will spend more money either on or in context of or just around your house, right? Buying it, selling it, maintaining it, owning it along the way. That's a lot of variables. It is. It is. It's huge. And it's it, a lot of it are things that we don't think about because mm-hmm. we just, you know, we just do it. And um, it's where most of your wealth is likely to end up as you approach and as you, you know, as you get to ent- get to retirement. Uh, more so than your 401k, more so than savings or, you know, or, you know, or things like that. And because of that, I believe that the family home um, is going to play an integral role 
um, in providing uh, for retirement income planning in the future. Okay, so today it's kind of a necessary evil. Uh, when we think of that, we think of reverse mortgages, right? And you've heard me say before, the mortgage is the necessary evil. People don't really like them. They want them. Uh, well, they don't want them. They want the house, but they can't get the house without the mortgage because the mortgage is the way that they pay for the house unless you're able to just write one check, which most people aren't. <laughs> so the mortgage functions as a democratization of real estate. Um, it brings the ownership uh, mentality, the, uh, the ownership of an asset uh, to the masses, right, to the middle class. It's the primary driver of personal wealth among the middle class and really real estate across the board. You know, if you look at millionaires, billionaires, they all have significant real estate holdings. Some of them made their fortunes directly in real estate. Um, it's a great storing place for wealth, right? Holds its value over time. There is an, you know, there is an income aspect to it. Um, I, I capture that for the common everyday average person as you have to live somewhere. So you're either going to rent or you're going to buy. But you know, no matter how you look at that, how you think of it, what your perspective is, um, there's no there's no doubting that it's important. Okay, it's a big deal. It's a big deal. And so, the degree to which it performs as a financial asset is directly related to the decisions that you make when you buy, sell, refinance, own, uh, maintain that home along the way. All right. So that's the embodiment of of that big deal. The goal for most people is to minimize the cost of owning owning that home, okay? We don't have a lot of control over uh, what it's worth, what, what it, you know, what its value is. Now, we have control over what its value might be uh, in a sense that if we don't take care of it, it's, it, it, <laughs> it, it, it probably go down in value um, if we don't, you know, if we don't maintain it, if we don't take care of it, if we don't nurture it. Um, the same way that you might nurture, give, uh, you know, pay attention to, or in financial circles, we call this manage, right? If you don't manage that asset, if you don't manage, just like if you don't manage your money, it will disappear, right? So we talked about last week, the idea of extra funds, no such thing, they evaporate, right? If they just sit there without being earmarked for something, okay? In a sense, that's management, managing that money. We manage investments, we manage assets, Something that we don't normally manage, though, are liabilities, and especially when it comes to our biggest liability, which is our mortgage. So, um, you know, the goal being the minimization of the cost of owning that home. That cost is not equal to the price of the home, the price that we pay, right? So when people go out to buy a house, they, you know, they're, you know, they're shopping by price. You know, we can afford, you know, they want to know, they show up, hey, Mike, you know, what, how much can we get approved for? What can we afford, right? Well, I can, don't equate affordability or what you can afford with what I can qualify you for. I can likely qualify you for far more than you're willing to afford or is going to be affordable to mm. you. Mm -hmm. Let's, you know, tell me what is comfortable to you, right? So people shop, you know, they want that equated back to, back to a price, right? And I, you know, I get that. It's, it's how you start start looking for homes, but you can have a wide variance in what that home is going to cost you based on the way the way that you finance it, all right? So really, the cost isn't just the price. It's the price plus the cost of financing because most people are going to need to finance because 
Most people don't have right, don't have the ability to write one check. Those that do have the ability to write one check know that even though they could, they shouldn't because the way that you finance it, including writing one check is financing. We think of loans as financing, but paying cash is a method of financing too. Definition of financing being just how you pay for something. Okay. So you're going to pay cash or are you going to, are you going to borrow? We've just come up with that word finance, turned it into a verb. And we call that, you know, when people talk about financing something, they talk about the borrowing of money to make the paying for something over time manageable because you don't have that, you know, because you don't have that lump sum, right? So it turns out that the cost of uh, financing, or in this case, interest, is the single largest factor in the overall cost of the home. That's why we spend so much time talking about this. The degree to which your family home is going to perform as a financial asset, where most of your money is likely to end up, where you're likely to spend the most money over the course of your lifetime, it's not a choice. You have to live somewhere. It comes down to how you, how you choose to finance it. And the lion's share of that is determined by the loan you get. All right? So the system, the HomeWise system, you know, my system I've exported here for the show to share with everyone, share with you. Um, first comes strategy, right? Now, I know everybody wants to start at interest rate, but it's not interest rate, all right? It's not interest rate by itself. Wrong strategy, best interest rate is a loser compared to proper strategy, correct strategy, right approach. Think of it like a business plan, right? How are you going to go about this? Once you've determined the right course to take, the right way to go, then we optimize the rate, right? And I use that word optimize because it's really not just lowest rate. It's rate in context of the price that you're willing to pay for it. Remember, on any given day at any given time, well, what's the rate? Well, there's lots of rates. It just depends on what you're willing, what you're willing to pay for it. Although I don't like to think of it in terms of what you're willing to pay because somebody might be willing to pay something for something uh, for a rate that does not serve them well, right? comes down to how long you're going to expect to live in the house or how long you're going to expect to carry that loan determines how much you're willing to invest in that loan. I go to some lenders and the only option they have today is pay a point, pay two points, pay three points. I mean, pay, pay something because their, their infrastructures are developed and set up as such that um, they need enough profit in a loan. The only way to get there, you can't get there anymore in the current market environment through yield premium. So they have to, so they're getting some yield premium, you know, called on the back of the loan or whatever. Mm -hmm. It's like industry jargon. It won't mean anything to you. But um, you just see it in terms of, well, I have to pay, you know, I have to pay a few points to get this. Well, he said, that's that's like the only, you know, the only thing there is. If you're efficient and you are in the lower echelon of of, uh, interest rates, then uh, you would still have some uh, some no point options available, but generally today optimizing that means paying a quarter, a half, maybe up to a one you know one point in my structure, just because it removes some of the risk off of the lender or the market in this case you know uh, and it moves it on to you 
as the borrower. In other words, the more you're willing to invest in it, the less interest they have to earn over time if that loan turns over fast. Because remember, everybody's expectation today is, oh, we're just going to do it, get in the house. And then when rates come down, okay, I say if rates come down, but, you know, their thinking is when rates come down, you know, then we'll refinance. We'll get, you know, we'll get to where we want to be. You know, well, they're probably not going back to three. They might get to four if things get healthy and enough time goes by. But historically, um, you know, we're looking more, I mean, even five is on the low side. Six is, six is that sort of, you know, that, you know, that middle ground in recent history. Historically, it's still incredibly low, right? If we look over long periods of time. But people will say that markets change, bond markets change, and I won't disagree with them. Um, but to expect when you just look at the hard numbers, um, you know, interest is a reflection of what the market, how, how, how the market values capital, right? It's a way of assessing costs for capital. When you're down around 2 3%, you're assessing, you're basically saying that money's not worth anything, right? Because... It can't go to zero because we have hard inherent costs built into the process. Like, for example, not everybody pays. So the ones that pay have to pay for the ones that don't. Well, there's a cost to that. So it can't be free. Okay. So you, somebody has to pay if you, you know, you know, if you don't pay. Um, then there's just, well, if I, I could invest in this mortgage or I could put the money somewhere else you have to give me enough return in order to reward me for making that choice to choose the mortgage investment over, over something else. And so you start to add these things up and you understand that they can't be, you know, they can't be zero. They certainly can't be zero for extended periods of time. And, um, you know, that, that spot where everything seems to make sense given where things are now is where, you know, is where rates are. So, you know, kind of in that 6% range. It also turns out that that 6% range on a 30-year loan, um, you're going to pay about an equal amount of principal as you would interest over the full, if you kept the loan for the full 30 years. So take out a $300,000 loan at six-ish something, and I forget exactly what there is an actual true median point to that. Um, it's somewhere in the upper fives, lower sixes. Um where if you borrow three hundred, you're going to pay back six hundred, so three hundred of principal and three hundred of interest, mm. right? So it's essentially, you just think of it as cost of financing adding adding double double to your house. So, but where we're at today, um, you are you are over that over that half. So cost of financing is the lion's share of what the price or what the cost of that home is going to be over time. So. We say strategy first, then interest rate, and then 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 managing managing costs. So where the heck does debt elimination come into this? All right. Well, debt elimination, I haven't said it this way yet, but it's really a strategy. Okay. It falls into the strategy category of how are we going how are we going to approach this? So in that strategy category, when people say, Well, how much money should I put down? How much do I have to put down? And I say, well, what are your goals? What are you trying to accomplish? Where, wh where, where do you want to end up? What else is going on in your life? I'm trying to assess what some of those other things are, places they want to get. And then I'm thinking of, okay, well, how do we strategically get there? How do we set this up today so that you get to where 
you want to go or end up where you want to be <laughs> when you turn around and look back. Oh, you know, like mm. two years have gone by, five years have gone by, 10 years have gone by. Sounds like a long time, but it goes by in the blink of an eye. Trust me. Ask me how I know. Mm-hmm. Um, it's uh, those are the kinds of questions. Those are the kinds of things that I'm thinking about when we when we sit down to start putting putting together a plan. All right. And so I've introduced this idea of if you have other debt, and most people do, we're at an all time high as far as consumer household debt uh, is concerned. It's likely that you have some credit cards and you might not think of it as true debt because it's not that much or it's just, you know, we pay that off every month or whatever, but you know, maybe you do, maybe you really don't. It's just, it's some, you know, everybody has that threshold under which something doesn't exist, even though it is still sitting. I mean, I've got it, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm, I'm, I fall prey to this as much as, you know, as much as anybody, maybe more so than other people. It's easy to just shut shut things out of your mind. So, um, you know, introducing debt elimination as part of a strategy to get payments down or manage payments, even though we can't affect what, beyond a certain point, what the home is going to cost you or how strong the financing is going to be. We have to pick that money up somewhere else. Well, we just look at where else, where else we're putting it. So, we are the key. I've said, you know, I gave you the three steps. It's really four steps, but there's a step zero, which is to stop digging. But step number one was to create that accelerator margin that you're going to use to prepay that with. I said that was the key. So today we are going to talk about my favorite way of mm-hmm. developing seller accelerator margin. And in doing that, uh, we will address that pink elephant sitting over there in the end of the room that I know people have been waiting to hear about that I purposely have not brought up until now, simply so that when I say where it fits in this process, and I'm going to downplay it, sorry, but um, that you'll see where it's short, it, how, how to properly use it, how it is improperly used by most other places in the market why that is, and then how to properly use it and where it fits. So um, let's go to break, and we'll jump into that when we come back. You're listening to HomeWise. It's Michael Midget. I'm Stel Pontikas. Glad you're along for the show this week, and we will return in a moment. Welcome back to HomeWise. I'm Stel Pontikas with the host and creator of the show, Michael Midget. We're in the middle of our discussion here uh, regarding finances. So, Michael, take it away, my friend. Thanks, Stel. Um, so we are talking about how debt elimination uh, as a strategy fits into the show, the idea of the show, which is uh, how to pay for your home using minimum dollars and maximizing what its contribution is going to be to your personal wealth when you get to retirement so that you can enjoy the retirement that you think you ought to have when you get there. Compared to today, like people my age and younger, I believe we're going to need, we're going to be forced to deal with that. Mm. The rising price of homes, the rising price of everything, uh, we may not get back to 2%, 2% inflation for a while. You know, I mean, it could be, could be 10 years. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I don't know. It's what, what happened over the last few years is unprecedented. Okay. 
um, shut down the economy. You had the, you know, the pandemic. Insane amounts of money has been infused into the system. In, yeah, into yeah. our into our um, into our economy, mm-hmm. world economy, the global economy, and it is a grand experiment. Mm. Okay, so even the Fed, if they're being honest behind closed doors, they'll admit to you, or they won't admit to you, but they're thinking it is. Never tried this before. We don't exactly know for sure what's going to happen. We got all the equations. We map, you know, we think we got the dot plot. You know, we got all the got all the tools to try to assess this, although we really only have one tool in the shed that we use, which is dialing up and down the Fed overnight funds rate uh, to try and control the economy. But they do not know for sure what is going to happen, right? There's such a disconnect between the length of time it takes from when they act to when something happens and there's there's more moving parts in this thing than the space shuttle and i have to be honest with you i'm not totally on board with jerome powell and janet yellen knowing exactly what's going to happen and what's going on just from my own perspective i mean does i'm skeptical as to where they think this is going doesn't it feel like they're they have a separate agenda yes it does yeah i mean it's i can't i can't quite can't quite put my finger on it, mm. you know, and this contributes to that kind of overarching feeling of uneasiness and uncertainty, uh, as you uncertainty mentioned. Uncertainty that I've that I've alluded to. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't dwell on it, but it's still there. I don't. I don't think it's going away. It's just there's just. I mean, we get pummeled day after day after day of. This event, and then this event, and then this event, and then this happened, and then this happened, and then this happened. It's just chunked out to us little by little by little. Well, I mean, if you go over the course of a month or even a quarter, I mean, heaven forbid you go, like, look at it over a year. Like, look at where we were a year ago and then look at today and then, like, string out every little story, just the things of, you know, the the fiasco that's going on in the White House and how, I mean, some of that is, like, you know, economy related and some of it is foreign policy related and some of it is family related. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they all seem like they're separate, distinct things, but maybe they're not. And, you know, and then there's just like what's, you know, how that spills over into our economy. And so then the Fed gets brought into it. And then the Treasury, you know, Janet Yellen, she's like a whole separate kind of piece to this and sometimes I just I wonder why like she's even chiming in on any of this because I and that she seems to be more off off the off the reservation than Uh than any of them you know like and it's almost like maybe like then you go to like aren't you in the huddle Uh you know like if you're supposed to be towing I mean if you're towing the line and some of it you know comes back to this you know the green stuff and I'm I'm all for saving the environment you know I like green grass and blue skies and comfortable weather and and things like that but the way that it's being gone about the way it's being used weaponized and forced upon and forced absolutely yeah I mean these are things that you know in order to do it with as little destructive economic destruction as possible needs to be done needs to be done over time uh, notwithstanding the fact that no matter what we do, the other rest of the world is not doing it. So is what we're doing even going to put a dent in it? But it sounds good, you know, and it's, you know, it can be 
pumped out through the media like that. And, you know, eventually, if you follow this thread long enough and long enough and long enough, it finally trickles down to me and you and everyone else listening to this uh, on a personal home home level, right? So inflation, what we're paying for things, um, it all affects it all affects our lives mm-hmm. every time government goes in to make a regulation or say this, not that, or picks a winner, or says some, you know, makes someone else a loser or whatever. There's, there's, there is a cost to that. Sometimes it's tiny, unnoticeable, but it's still there and it stacks up on top of everything else. And sometimes it's not, sometimes it's blatant and it's expensive and, and you feel it, you know? So it's almost like I wonder what happened if the if the 2020 election had gone the other direction and we hadn't gotten that initial sort of like jolt to the system of the of the energy like just being pulled out of the equation. Yes. And the you know what that did cuz it seemed like that was the first sort of like jab that got the whole like the first domino that fell yes all the executive actions that happened the first couple days yeah you know and that that sort of triggered because the second you you the second that you mess with energy it uh there's this massive domino effect Mm trickle down effect because it's yeah it's what we pay at the pump but it's also what the company pays to put gas in the truck that delivers the stuff that you're going to buy that from the trip that you're taking to go buy it and, you know, and on and on and on. And this just proliferates on, you know, you know, you know, on a massive scale. And then on top of that, you know, so now, you know, we're, we're going to do away with gas cars altogether. You got to have electric. And then, you know, just, you know, if, if we haven't like pissed you off enough yet, uh, mm-hmm. you can't have a gas stove either, even though I just, I can't, I mean, I can't even fathom like the, that that is even a thing, mm-hmm. you know. Um, Elon Musk has said, if you want to get rid of the, the you know, the emissions, um, you got to get rid of the cows. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> I haven't gone big. I I mean, I know it's a thing. I don't know how much to a degree it's a thing, and sometimes with him, it's difficult to tell if he's being sarcastic or not. But he's not a hundred percent wrong. I know that mm-hmm. uh, there is there is something to that. Um, which I never have, but I'm told that if you live next to a farm like that, you know full well <laughs> what we're talking about. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's definitely a thing there. But we have to, um, and see, it's easy to get off on tangents on this stuff if you're not, if you're not careful. So, um, uh, anyhow... By the way, tangents, I'm just going to throw out one more thing here because we commented about this during the morning show with Mike Ferguson. We're going to issue our own SOS for Save Our Stoves. <laughs> That's <laughs> a great try, idea. And try to try to somehow help folks understand that they seem to be coming after everything. So just be aware that, that we need to be fighting back. Can you save our cars, too? Uh, that, too, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so SOS, SOC, uh, just save whatever. So... Anyway, um, back so, to the uh, debt consolidation that yeah, you were talking yeah. about. So that is so that's my favorite way to build accelerated market mm-hmm. is debt debt consolidation. All right, um, that's the pink elephant in the room we haven't talked about. Uh, to me, debt elimination and debt consolidation are two very very different things. All right, so debt consolidation is simply the act 
of using one loan to pay off the combined other debts together, hence the term consolidation, right? So bring many down to one. So there's a financial simplification there. Um, it's part of the benefit. It doesn't necessarily provide a huge financial benefit to that, but there's a there's a fuzzy sort of quality of life benefit to that. It's easier to make one payment than it is to make to make seven payments. All right, but the the trick is that it's a tool. It's just a tool. All right, it's not a solution. It's not a solution of its in and of itself. That's where it is improperly used. That's how it gets used in the wrong way, and that is how people can get in trouble with it, all right? And the people selling that, right? So we've heard uh, debt consolidation refinances before. And, oh, I can save you all this money. You just consolidate your debt together, right? Well, since the act of consolidating debt, it puts you in a position to save money, but it actually doesn't save you money. And in fact, it's more likely to cost you more money Mm. over the long haul than if you didn't consolidate. I know that sounds counterintuitive and it's a little like, huh? Like, you know, there is, uh, we'll, you know, we'll get into that. But um, what it does is it takes debts, the other debts, right? So multiple debts in this case were, um, before you consolidate them, they have varying terms. So they're at different rates, they're different amounts, and they have different lengths or terms with them. So like a credit card, the way interest is calculated on that, the way payments are figured up is different than an auto loan, which is different than a personal loan, which is different than a mortgage loan. And, you know, when you're trying to figure out, well, should I do this? Should I not do this? Which loan is better? Which one, which one's costing me? You know, well, the interest rate on this one is this, like the credit cards, but we've been showing how even though a $10,000 credit card at 24, some exorbitant rate of 24%, even if you paid that off just making the minimum payments going along still only lasts about five years and you end up paying about 1600 total or 6000 ish dollars in interest or a 60% factor, mm. yet that 6% mortgage or 7% mortgage that we were been talking about, um, remember in the beginning of the show I mm-hmm. said at that point it's half principal and half interest right? Even though it's at a lot lower rate, it represents a larger percentage of interest. The reason for that is because you have the longer period of time. So debts have all different factors and features associated with them that clouds the waters. And so one of the benefits of debt consolidation is that it takes all these varying things and terms and it brings them under one umbrella because it gets rid of the debt. So because mm. you're actually using a loan to pay off another loan. Now the previous loan is no longer there. You no longer have to make that payment. You have to make the payment associated with the new loan. All right. So um, as far as forms or types, we have the debt consolidation purchase, which is actually one of my strategies that I talk about when we talk about the strategies uh, with buying a house. I've gone through that in the past. If you you know want to go look that up, all the previous shows are at homewiseradio.com, newly redesigned site. Everything's right there on the front-hand page uh, or one click away. It's easy to find, um, and it's all there clearly labeled in that. But you also have the debt consolidation refinance, and that's probably the most popular, most well-known because uh, it gets marketed the most. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and you're mm. going to hear a lot of ads for those today. We've talked about this in the past, kind of poo-pooed them a little bit. It's not a bad, it's not a bad strategy. It's just that given the fact pattern of what's there today, meaning a lot of first mortgages at exorbitantly low interest rates, when you refinance that loan, remember we said we're paying off one loan with a new loan. You no longer pay back the old loan, you're paying back a new loan. When you take out that new loan, the terms are less favorable than mm -hmm. the loan that you were paying off, sort of like that's not what you think of when you think of consolidation. All right. Now, when you pay off credit cards and things like that, that pushes back against that phenomenon. But today, most of the time, the amount that you're pulling out in form of cash out to pay off credit cards or, or in other words, perform the consolidation is a whole lot less than the amount that you owe on that existing first mortgage. And so the anchor there is a big hurdle to overcome. And I've got an example about that. We'll uh, we'll get to that here in a bit. But if we just um, there, you know, you, you know, there's another way to go. Um, you could also look at doing a home equity loan or a home equity line of credit. Mm -hmm. There's also the personal loan companies like Lending Club and SoFi. You know, they call them debt consolidation loans. Those can work. They're not my favorite. They're sort of mediocre in the in the scale. They're inefficient because the uh, the payments are high associated with the amount of money that you're borrowing because they force you on such a short term. Okay. Mm. So it's, it's not bad in and of itself, but the reason that most people go to do a debt consolidation, see you're doing it to build margin. Remember, well, if you have a high payment, you don't have margin. Um, you have that force locked in, prepayment in in the form of the shorter loan term on those personal loans and it just what it does is, is it locks you in it for it 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 removes the flexibility that you would normally have with the consolidation and because of that some people fail with it you know mm. they need more they actually need some payment relief not further accelerate you know not like over overly uh aggressive acceleration Right. So they're, you know, they're going to take a mixture, a mixture of things, but you lose the ability to do that with the personal loans. You have the maximum effect of that with the home equity loan or my favorite, which is, uh, is the home equity line of credit. So let's look at a quick example and um, I can show you what that looks like. And we'll just, we'll use a home equity loan, home equity line to, to, you know, to illustrate this because it's just the easiest, it's the easiest to go through. And uh, in that, so you go back to our original example we've been using from week to week: ten thousand dollar credit cards at twenty four percent with three hundred dollar payments. Let's say you have three of them, so you have thirty thousand total, and it's nine hundred dollars a month that you're making that you're making payments on that. Mm -hmm. It's still going to be four years and eight months to pay those off because they're all running successively, like they're running on top of each other or simultaneously. Okay. Um, you'll pay back thirty thousand in principal, right? Because it's ten thousand on each credit card. You're going to pay back total of twenty thousand dollars interest paid over time, so for, you know for a total of fifty thousand dollars. Well, if you consolidate these three together, all right, and we'll use the HELOC in, as, as an example. So instead of having three ten thousand dollar credit cards, you're going to pay those off 
consolidate them into a single loan, a single home equity line for 30000 So it's the same amount of money, right? So no, nothing has happened here. All we've done is we have shifted the debt from one place to another. And let's say we'll, we have the interest rate at 12%. Now, you can probably do better than that, but this keeps the math easy for us. And it, it will also illustrate my point that the interest rate doesn't matter so much, even though when I just said about the debt consolidation refi, that it's the interest rate that causes those to be different, difficult. You'll see why here in a minute. All right. But on an interest only payment, you'd have a $300 a month payment. So 12% interest, 1% per month this is 12% divided by 12, 1% per month, a $30,000 balance, $300 of interest per month. When you make that $300 payment, you have no principal reduction at all. All right. But in the system, it's take margin and you use the margin to prepay. All right. So the original payments on this were $900. The new payments on it are $300. The difference between those two numbers, 900 minus 300 is $600. So that is our accelerator margin in this case. So if we take that $600 and we put it with the $300 that we have to make on the new payment, that's $900 total, just like we were paying before the consolidation. We're mm-hmm. going to still make that same payment after the consolidation. And when we do that, it only takes three years and five months to pay off. So it pays off a year and three months sooner or about, I think it's roughly a third, a third mm-hmm. of the time. Mm-hmm. We pay them back the same $30,000 in principal, but some total, we only pay back 6000 in interest. That's a $14,000 savings on interest. All right. So that's a big that's a that's a big difference, right? Fourteen thousand dollars back in your pocket plus a year and three months faster. So emphasize it's the same money, right? You owed the same before and after the consolidation. You were making the same payment before and after the consolidation. The only thing we changed was who you were paying and uh, how how you were paying it. All right. We changed the interest rate too, but that falls under the how. Um, but we did not change. You're not going to feel a difference other than each month when you make that $900 of payment, you're going to see about double of double the principal reduction that you would have seen if you were still making the three separate payments on on the separate credit cards. Mm. So that is that's the math. Right. And it's it's pretty simple. It's pretty straightforward. But without the that extra step in there of taking the difference, because most of the time, if you know, if you just go to the loan guy, he just he gives you the consolidation and there you go. You're saving six hundred dollars a month. All right. (laughs) You know, it's not a savings until you do something smart Mm -hmm. with the money. Mm hmm. And if you don't do something with it, if you don't earmark it for something, if you don't have a plan for it, it evaporates, mm-hmm. it disappears. That's why Dave Ramsey doesn't like these is because he does not believe in general that people have enough financial discipline to actually follow through mm-hmm. on what to do with with the 600. And so he'll just scrap the whole idea and say, eat beans and weenies. Mm. If you can eat beans and weenies, that's fine. Whatever you can muster up with that. See, in my example, we we did that to come up with the initial hundred that I showed you like three or four generations ago of this same strategy, right? Um, 
of how to do that and how much how much you could save. The consolidation is effective in a sense that if you notice in this, we got the we got the payoff time down without you having to come up with that hundred dollars on your own. This margin, this six hundred dollars margin, was completely manufactured inside the financial inside the financial picture, and that that's where it power that's where the power lies. So um, why don't we let's go to break, mm-hmm. and we've got more to cover on this when we come back. Good. We'll take a quick break here. You're listening to HomeWise. That's Michael Mitchett. I'm Stel Pontikas. Glad you're along for the show this week, and we'll return in just a moment. Welcome back to HomeWise. I'm Stel Pontikas with the host and creator of the show, Michael Midget. And we're going to get back into the, the uh, discussion here. Michael, go forward, my friend. Are you depressed yet? No, not at all. <laughs> this is uh, very interesting. I'm, trying, I'm watching your face here. No, no. And I know I can tell that you're interested in this. And remember, I use you as a gauge or a litmus test for um, the listening. The average listener. For, for the listeners, right. And... Um, you know, it's look. If it's not what you wanted to hear, I'm sorry. <laughs> it, it, you know, it's. Um, I mean, just because you willed it, I can't will it to be something that it's not. All right, and it has the. It's powerful. It has the power for good, but just like a lot of things in life, things that are powerful also has the power for bad. Mm-hmm. All right, if it's. Not bad in and of itself, but bad if it is improperly used. And I have, um, you know, I've talked in passing in previous weeks about debt consolidation, particularly debt consolidation refinances, and why I don't believe in them right now. It's not that I don't believe in them. It's not in all case that I'm saying that in all cases right now that they're bad, but the the cases that they are good in are a lot fewer, a lot fewer and farther between now than they ever have been since I since the thirty two years I've been in the business. Is it because of the current financial situation? Yeah, because because okay. you are remember in a consolidation you are taking an existing loan and or group of loans right and you are putting them together into a new loan. And when you do that, you need to, if you're doing it responsibly, you're going to do a financial analysis, just like when you go to a financial planner and, okay, how are you going to invest my money? Okay, well, we need a plan. Well, here's the investment plan. Here's how we're going to go about this. We're going to, here's what we're going to do with the money. And they have, you know, all different ways of, uh, you know, of looking at that. But at the end of the day, uh, hopefully they come up with a way that they can successfully protect your money provide enough income if you need that from that from that chunk of money and achieve whatever financial goals you have associated associated with that all right well this is no different this is just it's a financial decision it involves an asset um, it's a little different than managing an investment portfolio but you're going to use a similar thought process to it which is, What's the cost? What's the benefit? Where, you know, follow the money. And when you come out the other end, what do we, you know, what do we expect? Mm-hmm. And so 
when you when you look at it, you're 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 assessing like, okay, here's where we are now. Here's what we've got. So we've got a mortgage and we've got a list of debts, right? And so we could look at different ways of dealing with that to try and improve on where we are at right now. So you always have that baseline where we are now because we could always do nothing and we could just stay where we're at, right? Maybe where we're at, the way that we're set up, maybe it's optimal. Maybe it's the best we can do and that we just need to, you know, put our head down and charge ahead and just, you know, when you're going through hell, just keep going. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Don't stop and turn around. Um, but when you, so if you do the analysis and that's that's what you find out, like, okay, well, at least, you know, now you know you can be committed to a single action instead of always wondering, um, could I be doing better? You know, am, could I be doing something better? And diverting some of your attention away from, from you know, from the goal at hand. So you always start with figure out what is it costing me now, and then you look at where where can you know when I'm looking at these, where can I put you, all right? And so we'll add up what the cost of all, all the thing is, the timing of the payments and and things like that. By the way, that timing of the payments is the piece that usually gets left out because mm. it doesn't help the sales process. Um, and then you look at where where they can put so you you hypothetically okay well if we consolidated it all together this is what it looks like well if we consolidated these debts but left these alone um what does that look like well what if we did you know what if we ate beans and weenies and just cranked out our own cell accelerator margin and started chipping away at a debt and then let the margin grow on its own like i've talked about in previous weeks Mm -hmm. right so you so you start to look at all of these things, and um, when you are looking at the debt consolidation refi, what you're looking at is taking that existing mortgage, and you, and all of the individual debts, other debts that they have, and putting them together into a new loan, and then you're going to compare that cost over time to what their current projected cost over time is, right? And you know, and you compare the two. So when you do that, you have to account for what their current mortgage is, right? So let's let's just run through a quick example, mm-hmm. right? And that will that will illustrate what I'm talking about, right? And um, so let's say three years ago you took out a three hundred thousand dollar mortgage, and you got it at three and a half percent thirty year loan, so you have a uh, thirteen hundred fifty dollar mortgage payment. You've been paying on that for three years, so that three hundred thousand is paid down to two hundred eighty-two thousand now. Same payment, same thirteen hundred fifty dollars payment, but you have twenty-seven years to go. All right. Well, let's say in the meantime you've racked up fifty thousand in credit card debt. Whoa, hello. I don't know if that's a lot yeah. or not. I mean, it's 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 more than average. Mm-hmm. Okay. But I, I felt like when I was constructing this example, see, I started with 30,000, the same 30 that we were using. And I, you know, I ran the numbers on it and it just, it didn't even look, it didn't look appetizing mm-hmm. enough. Like I thought that a, an unsuspecting homeowner would bite on it, mm-hmm. right? It didn't look, didn't look, see, I already know how this is going to work out. Just, I don't have to run the numbers on it. I already know the answer. 
what I'm going to do is illustrate the numbers so I can demonstrate for you what I already know to be true mm-hmm. and then confirm what my suspicions what my suspicions are, okay? I'm not a human calculator. I just, I know the hurdle to overcome with this and just over such doing, I mean, I've done thousands. I put thousands of these together. You know, this is, I have a whole system on this. Um, I've just, I've seen, I've seen thousands of cases. You just start to see the patterns of mm-hmm. what it takes to move the needle on these things, right? So let's take a look at 50,000 in credit card debt. By the way, if you have 50,000 in credit card debt, that's fairly painful, Right. Especially if it's at 24%. Yes, sir. Um, because you'd have $1,500 a month in payments on it. In fact, you're paying more on that than you are on your mortgage. Mm-hmm. Even though you owe almost six times mm-hmm. on the mortgage what you have there, right? Well, see, this is an example of that, of that disconnect, right? Um, by the way, the high payments on the credit cards isn't a, necessarily a function of just the interest rate. It's the fact that the credit card company won't let you stretch those credit card payments out over 30 years. By the way, if you stretched them out over 30 years, you'd pay a whole lot more interest, mm-hmm. like a ton. Like, <laughs> like a couple like, hundred. I don't even, like, I don't, the math just, at 24, I mean, you know, the internal rate of return on that, the compounding that takes place is just, it's unfathomable. Like, it wouldn't even be, it wouldn't even be realistic. Mm. All right. So, you're making $2,850 a month in payments between that mortgage and then those 50000 in credit cards. It doesn't matter, five cards for 10, uh, you know, 10 for five, whatever, you know, whatever the number is, right? I didn't get into that, that you know, that minutia, although there is some minutia there that, you know, you know, that affects this. Um, but if you put all that together, you owe 282 now, another 50 on top of that. Just keep round numbers. You're going to owe on a new loan, if you were to consolidate it together, 332000 Let's say you could get a 7% on that, mm-hmm. right? Double what the interest rate is. I don't know what rates are for debt consolidation refinance today. This is a hypothetical situation. I just took double what you're paying now to give you a sense of what that, what, what that hurdle on the existing first mortgage does. So on a on a on a new thirty year term, okay, the monthly payments twenty two hundred appears to be a six hundred and fifty dollar a month savings, right? Is that enough? Might bite on that. I can tell you from experience, yeah, mm. sell that all day long. And in fact, as we sit here, as you're listening to this, there's probably one being sold right now. Mm-hmm. Somebody just signed, made a decision or something to do this very thing that I'm about to debunk for you and show you why it's not a great idea. Go for it. Okay. So, (laughs) there's more to it, obviously. Um, But this is where most LOs stop, right? They're not financial advisors. They're product pushers. Loan officers. Well, yeah, yeah, loan officers, Mm -hmm. right? Sales salesperson, right? Person who sells loan. Mm -hmm. Um, It's not their job to be an advisor or a financial, well, they don't, the industry doesn't, promote it that way they're not legally bound to be your advisor um i view it a little different i'm sort of like a financial advisor that does loans more than i am a loan guy that you know i mean you kind of get the idea mm-hmm. there. um well let's well let's cut to the chase yeah. all right best case scenario is you take that 650 and you plow it you plow it back into the loan that's going to be make that new loan the cheapest that you can possibly make it it'll pay off in 16 years i can cut the term in half 
I can turn that 30-year loan almost into a 15-year loan. Do I have your attention now? Mm -hmm. Sounds pretty good, right? But Mike, that interest rate, oh my gosh, that's so high. It's like, well, I mean, it's it's high compared to what you're paying now. It's not high historically. Uh, it's a heck of a lot less than that 50000 in credit card debt that you're paying 1500 a month on, right? And you're waking, you know, and like, oh, yeah, I forgot, oh, gosh. And then the feel, I mean, you know, this is the sale that's taking place as you're doing it. Like maybe you're even feeling it and experiencing it right now as I say it. The total payback on that's $527,000, right? On that 332000 even though we cut it down from 30 years to 15 years, we shaved off a whole heck of a lot of interest, mm -hmm. right? We saved, we, you know, we saved a lot of money. Um, but if you look at the scenario of where you're at right now, if you didn't do anything with it, you're only going to pay back... Uh, Five hundred twenty-seven thousand. So I'm sorry. The original, the pay down, the consolidated version was five hundred fifty-seven thousand. Mm -hmm. Right. If you didn't do anything, you'd only pay back five hundred twenty-seven thousand dollars. Right. You pay back more by doing the consolidation. That even though you plowed all the money back in, like we made it look and made it perform, op like it, you know, like as as good as I could. It's still, you know, it still costs more. Why? Where's the rub? I don't get it. I can save six fifty a month. You can cut my mortgage in half. I've always wanted a fifteen year mortgage. In fact, the fifteen year mortgage is going to pay off before the thirty year, the twenty seven year left mortgage that I have right now. Like, where's where's the rub? The rub is in the hidden cost with uh, how long the credit card debt's going to last. Mm. Okay? Remember those credit cards, twenty four percent with the. Uh, the $300 minimum payment on the $10,000, they last just under five years. Well, that $50,000 is going to pay off in five years. So five years, $50,000, you, you end up paying back about $90,000 on the credit cards in five years. Well, so then you have the wait of the next 10 years or 11 years to get up to year 16 when the loan, mm. the loan pays off. Because remember, we took the entire margin and we used it to prepay the debt, and that's where we got the 16-year term from. So bottom line is we're stretching out the length of time that you're going to pay on those credit cards, even though we cut, we cut the mortgage we cut the mortgage way down. Mm. Now, as far as scenarios go, this is a pretty strong scenario. Like I, I promise you this one gets sold today just like this. Not by me. I can't do it. I can't, like I have to, I would have to, disclose, I would have to tell you, I mean, not by law, but I just don't feel good about it. Right. It's costing you more money to do this. Why would, you know, that doesn't, it doesn't make sense. There's a better way. Take out a home equity line, just refinance the 50,000. So instead of having just one loan, you have the existing first and then the new second, and then do this process. And for time's sake, I didn't, I didn't figure out what that was, but I know it's less. You can figure it out yourself if you just take the results of what we talked about last segment with the credit card and how long that was and what those what those numbers were, and then just you know adjust it for, for you know you know you know for the size. So um, you know that's I mean that's that's, that's the story about as simply as you can yeah. you, know, you know as you can put it. So it, it's not a simple thing, but it's not um, it is more simple than it you know it normally gets made. So. Um, 
if you're facing this, if you're thinking about this, if you need a second opinion or, you know, or whatever, there is, there, there are ways, there are things to look at for this. Um, I'll shoot you straight. Mm-hmm. I mean, I won't put you in something or recommend that you do something that's not in your best interest. Um, I have to sleep at night. I want you to sleep at night too. I want you to have that confidence with it. Um, just give me a call. 314-275-0314. You can get me at my mortgage website, goshelter.com. Uh, you can track me down through the show website, homewiseradio.com as well. Okay? That's great. That wraps up this week's edition of HomeWise. Plenty to uh, to think about there. And thanks, Michael, for uh, putting it all together. I'm Stel Pontikas. That's Michael Mitchett, the host and creator of uh, HomeWise. We're glad that you joined us for this week's edition of the show. And we hope you'll join us again next weekend for another edition of HomeWise. Loans and loan information provided by Shelter Mortgage, Inc. Visit us at GoShelter.com and MLS number 192609. A Missouri residential mortgage licensee and equal housing lender. Call 888-497-2558 for additional cost information. Other restrictions may apply.